Welcome back to another episode of the Action Network NFL Podcast. I am Matthew Friedman, the Editor-in-Chief of Fantasy Labs, and with me to break down the 2019 fantasy football rankings that we just released this week on the Action Network are Sean Corner and Chris Raybon. Sean is the Action Network Director of Predictive Analytics and one of the top in-season fantasy pros rankers for the past half decade. Chris is a senior editor and analyst of the Action Network and a co-host of I'll Take That Bet on ESPN+. You can follow them in the Action Network app at the underscore oddsmaker and Chris Raybon. Use the app to get real-time odds and track your bets. Gentlemen, it's been a few weeks since we last talked. We've had the NFL Draft and other sports. We've had the Kentucky Derby. We've had some great NHL and NBA playoff series. Uh, The MLB regular season is really starting to dig in. At the Action Network, we've just signed a content deal with NASCAR we have the PGA Championship coming up this week. Uh, sorry, coming up next week. Uh, this week, Tony Romo is playing in the AT&T Byron Nelson. It is just a wonderful time of year. And of course, on the NFL side of things, fantasy drafts are starting to pick up a little bit. Sean, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Uh, I love that the draft is over because now we get to you know make projections, rankings, and start you know coming up with the draft strategy. So love this time of year. Yeah, uh, Raybon, what have you been up to besides creating a lot of work that I have to do in the next couple of weeks? <laughs> I've been, yeah, I've been, I've been grinding away at my projections, my rankings, updating my models, um, working on a couple of kind of larger scale pieces about how you should go about first year quarterbacks. Like, I think there's a, a reason to believe that the Chiefs probably should have played Patrick Mahomes in year one. So I'm kind of working on pieces like that, but I'm excited to just get talk to you guys about this uh the 2019 frozen ponds here and see who's in that yes uh yeah so we we did just get off of a a big call where the nfl people at action network and fantasy labs were talking about uh, our content schedule so uh, a lot to look forward to for the the upcoming season and uh everything leading up to that right now though yes let's uh let's focus on the 2019 fantasy football rankings. Let's jump into it and start with some overall strategy. And then after that, we're going to focus a little bit more on the uh, the individual positions and highlight some players we like or dislike relative to their ADPs and some deep sleepers. But uh, Rayvon, I want to kick it to you first. Overall strategy for 2019, do you have any kind of uh, big picture ideas yet for this season in particular, and then also just kind of larger fantasy strategy in general that you tend to implement year over year? Absolutely. So I think one of the first things is I'm usually waiting on quarterback. I think that's the position that if you just look at supply and demand, of course, this is doesn't not counting two quarterback leagues or anything like that, but in, in regular standard leagues, I think you really want to wait on quarterback because there's just a lot of, of options there. And I know we'll get into it, but there's just a ton of upside later on in the draft. I think what I'm really trying to do is, you know, get a couple of running backs early. I think that that position kind of thins out again, like we like we've seen in the last couple of years. And and also, if I can get a stud tight end, I think that's that that's important. And with with the tight end, I think what you're trying to do is you're trying to if you can get a stud tight end like a Kittle or or Ertz or or Kelsey, you, you go for it. But then you're also trying to kind of double that up with 
you know, somebody a little bit later on that has that breakout potential. Because I think last year, you know, Kittle wasn't being drafted in that same tier. He was going way late in the, I think it was 10th or 11th round. So it's important to kind of, you know, give yourself that out um, with the tight end position. And then with, with wide receiver, I think one thing is we, we don't talk about it as much anymore, but really kind of looking for those breakouts. Those second year breakouts tend to be when, when wide receivers make a big jump in production. So I'm kind of targeting some of those guys that, you know, if you look at their production from last year's rookies, they, they might not stand out as much, but um, really trying to, to get those guys. And, and, and the same thing for tight ends to a lesser extent, but um, that's my general strategy. Second year breakouts, uh, weight on quarterback and uh, try to get a, a difference maker at tight end if possible. Sean, uh, what about you? Any thoughts on how you are approaching this year in particular and then kind of big picture thoughts for how you tend to operate in general? Yeah, so, um, you know, this year quarterback is so deep. I'm probably going to punt on it completely. There's so many guys in the QB2 range that I'd be, you know, comfortable having my starter. Running back, I always think is a joke. I think you you always, you, you know, your draft position is going to dictate your strategy. I would like to have, you know, like picks six through 10 this year. Um, and I'll, I'm actually going to be targeting wide receivers early on. I mean, week to week, if, if, if I think about it, you know, every week I'm going to have the same wide receivers in the top 10. But running back, I mean, last year I was starting guys like Jeffrey Wilson, Gus Edwards, CJ Anderson, Damian Williams in my playoffs with confidence. And you just don't get that at wide receiver. So you know, I shape my strategy. Um, you know, if I have a top four pick, I'm definitely taking a workhorse running back. I'm not a zero running back kind of guy. But I think you just load up on running backs later in the draft, take a bunch of flyers. Throughout the season, I typically have my entire bench comprised of backup running backs, just guys that, um, you know, can step into a workhorse role. So I think this year I'm, I'm targeting wide receivers early, trying to get a top three tight end. And just, you know, waiting for the, the later rounds to get my two QBs and just load up on running backs. All right. Let's start to to talk about quarterbacks here. Let's think kind of specifically about players we want to target right now at their ADPs, players we want to fade at their ADPs, and then maybe one guy who is a deep sleeper. And uh, Sean, I want to kick it to you first. Uh, who is a player uh, or a couple of players you are looking to target? So my uh, QB1 I'm looking to target, or at least I think he's a QB1, is Lamar Jackson. Uh, right now he's my QB9. Uh, his ADP is QB16 for some reason. Um, I know people like to knock on him for, you know, I think he only passed for 200 yards once last year, but that's not why I'm drafting him. I'm drafting him because he runs the ball at a ridiculous rate. Um, so if you take his uh, weeks 11 through 17 when he was starting and, you know, map it out across a 16-game season, he would rush for 1,200 yards. So um, I think this year he he's going to surprise people. He's definitely going to throw a bit more. Um, so I just consider that icing on the cake. But, you know, the Ravens' defense is probably going to take a step back. So they're not going to have as many positive game scripts where they just, you know, run it as much as they did last year. So I think uh, he has room to grow. And uh, he, you know, last year he had a pretty high floor. Um, he's he's typically going to get you QB1 production. He You know, his ceiling is even more. So I think if you can get him, you know, 16th QB off the board, uh, sign me up on that. So I think he makes it easy to kind of wait on QB, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, Rayvon, what about you? And I should have mentioned this when, when you asked about strategy, but one of the biggest strategies that I'm implementing um, this year is all mobile quarterbacks. I don't want a quarterback if he can't run because number one, a lot of the quarterbacks that do have 
ADPs in the top 12 aren't even necessarily rushing quarterbacks to begin with. And there's just so much value there with those quarterbacks being able to run. So obviously, you know, I know Friedman, I'm stealing yours, but this has been a big one of mine too. Um, We both have him ranked number three, I believe, is uh, Kyler Murray. I think he is going to have a lot of success um, in year one. Um, he can he can move around. Uh, but another player I'm targeting is Josh Allen. I think he has huge upside. We saw him, you know, over the last five weeks of the season actually outscore Patrick Mahomes, finish as the, the QB one over that span. So um, those are a couple of guys. But it's really just about any quarterback that I can get. You know, if I'm the last person drafting a quarterback that can run, and there's still so many options. So um, my big two are are, are Kyler and, and Josh Allen. But I'm I'll talk about some more sleepers a little later in the show. Yeah, I mean, sorry, I should just say, full disclosure, uh, I wrote the outline. I typed in the players I wanted to focus on for uh, all these different sections, and both Raybon and Corner were like, hey, you totally stole all of the players we wanted to talk about. Uh, That's just how it rolls. Uh, Sorry, fellas. I'm going to talk about Kyler. And Chris, it's going to be a war between us. You're going to move him up in your rankings, and then I'm just going to move him up a little bit more because I am not going to be – out bold by you when it comes to our enthusiasm for Kyler Murray. I think the comp for him, and this might be really uh, optimistic, but like Michael Vick, who can actually throw the ball, not like in terms of arm strength, but a guy who can actually like play the quarterback position and do like the passing things you want your quarterback to be able to do. Um, Because Murray, we never saw him actually run at the combine, but he's built, I think, kind of like Michael Vick, you know, like a smaller guy. But if you just like, I hate to say like, if you just watch the tape, but like you could just see like he has I don't want to say elite speed because that's not confirmed, but like he has at least the type of speed that equips him to be able to be a highly capable rusher in the NFL. And then as a passer, I I think he fits very well in terms of what he did at Oklahoma and how that could translate into how he will be used in Cliff Kingsbury's system, which I think is actually going to have a lot of success in the NFL. So... I mean, I, I, I don't want to say, like, take Kyler Murray no matter what, but I feel like the the downside is so little because he's going as, like, the QB 17. He's being drafted in, like, rounds, say, like, 10 through 12. No matter, like, in what league you're in, that's kind of the draft range he's going to go in. Like, there's so much upside. Like, I think he has – remember, like, RG3, his rookie season – how he was basically uh, a, a league winning type of guy because you were able to get him so late. Like I think Kyler Murray has instant impact type of ability as a rookie. So he's the one guy uh, I'm basically saying you have to target at his ADP right now. Great, um, <clears throat> on go ahead, guys. Everyone out there, draft Kyler Murray no matter what. Freeman gonna say it. Okay. I'm saying it like you got to man. You just like, right. you have to. I feel like I'm weighing you guys down, but <laughs> you both Here have you come my, in with your you, pessimism. No, 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 no. I, 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 I'm with you guys. I want to target him, but you guys both have him ranked third. And I think you both would say, you know, you don't want to take him third off the board because you're kind of sacrificing yeah, the value I mean, of that. So how many quarterbacks off the board until you – I would call it reaching it just based on ADP, but how many QBs off the board would you recommend people – to take him because I think you could wait maybe 12 yeah you you wait till literally every team has a quarterback and then you take him you know Uh, I mean if you if you don't want to be like the lone person and you think he offers so much value relative to where you are in the draft then fine you know I think if he's there at his ADP and other people in the league 
like still have only like six quarterbacks. Yeah, I would actually take him above some of the other quarterbacks left. But um, I think he offers clear value at his ADP. And if, uh, if there are 12 quarterbacks off the board, I think it's fine to go ahead and take him kind of wherever that is. Raybon, what do you think? Yeah, I, I was kind of going to go and say that's a good point. I think it's not necessarily how many quarterbacks are off the board. Um, it's just when you get to a certain part in the draft and you don't even want to risk um, somebody else thinking the same way. So I'd say about um, – I'd feel comfortable doing it in the ninth round, but definitely the tenth. Like once you get to the double-digit rounds, definitely no matter how many quarterbacks are, are off or not off the board, I, I would take it because I think that he does have that kind of upside, that Michael Vick upside that you talk about. There's not that many quarterbacks that have that upside, I think – so, so you want to do it even if, you know, even if maybe he's the quarterback six for some reason and you feel kind of silly, um, I think it's still worth it. Yeah. Let's talk, talk about some of the players we might look to fade. Uh, Sean, who do you have here? Um, so I'm going with Cam Newton. Uh, you know, there's too many mobile quarterbacks now. So, you know, I don't think he's worth a, a top 10 QB pick. Plus, he's coming off the second shoulder <laughs> surgery. which This is, this I, is so good. This I, is so I, think, good. I think he'll be fine. But why risk it? I think at this point, his stock can only go down if, if he has any setbacks or anything. And I guess he, he went vegan. So, Raybon, you're going to have to do some like in-depth analysis on that. <laughs> uh, I think Aaron Foster comes to mind. So, I don't know if it, he's, he's probably losing 20 pounds, I guess, he's shooting for. So, he might be able to run more. But, you know, that could take away some goal line carries. So, you know, coming off last year, he only had four rushing touchdowns. They're going to give McCaffrey the ball near the goal line. I just – I don't think he has the upside uh, we're, we're used to seeing, and he's on the wrong side of 30 now. So i just rather wait and take, you know, the Kyler Murrays, Josh Allen, uh, Lamar Jackson guys. So I, I just don't think it's worth spending the draft capital to take uh, Cam Newton anymore. And yeah. I, I've usually been a, a big Cam guy because I'm all about rushing stats, but there's just too many options now that he, he kind of lost his luster to me, so – yeah, I think that's fair, although there is like some wonderful irony with you for the second year in a row fading um, the, the MVP type of quarterback who's coming off the shoulder. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. That, you know, that, that was different because Andrew Luck had come off an entire season where he hasn't yeah. thrown a ball. And then when we were talking about it, he was like now throwing a Nerf ball around a little bit. So, <laughs> you know, I was just saying until he throws a deep ball to T.Y. Hilton, uh, count me out. So yeah. I eventually came around. Yeah. Uh, Rayvon, who are you looking to fade here? <clears throat> Patrick Mahomes, Andrew Luck, Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson, <laughs> Baker Mayfield, Matt Ryan, Drew Brees, Russell Wilson, Cam Newton, Jared Goff, Ben Roethlisberger, yeah. and Carson Wentz. Yeah. Ba- basically everyone before Kyler Murray. <laughs> and like yeah but it's not it's just it's just there's too many options yeah. i think that like like we just talked about josh allen with um you know a five-week span where he was the qb1 i mean that's that's not that's that's a third of the season or, or a fourth of the season um you know if you don't count week week uh, 17 or whatever so you know that's that's not insignificant at all like that's that's really that's a big deal um you still have lamar jackson who i think is a great pick as as Sean alluded to, and you know, if you want, if you guys want to know who I'm higher on than, than the consensus, you know, I'm higher on Baker Mayfield than the consensus. I think that he has a chance to have a special season uh, with with the weapons he has if they stay healthy. But um, I think in general, you know, there's just no point in in a fantasy format in a one QB format to take these guys because even if you miss out on a bunch of these kind of trendy mobile quarterbacks 
you can still get value on some of the other guys who, you know, like I think Jimmy Garoppolo has a a chance to finish top 10. He's going number 22. I mean, you have Tom Brady, 19. We saw Matt Ryan have a top five season last year. Um, and he wasn't going that high. So you always have these fullback options if, if you really need them. But I think there's a good probably 22 high upside quarterbacks this year. And, you know, obviously there's only 12 spots if you're in a 12-team league. So I think you definitely want to wait and, uh, and try to target Kyler or Allen or somebody else in, in that range. Yeah, Rayvon, it's interesting. I mean, Josh Allen, I think, is basically like the arbitrage Cam Newton in mm-hmm. a way, in terms of like his his skill set, I think the way he's he's going to be used. So yeah, I think there's a definite reason to be interested on uh, interested in him, and then interested in basically uh, Kyler and everyone past him, and to look to fade the people in front of him. Uh, specifically, I would be looking to fade Drew Brees. Um, we have two years now of him uh, playing in what is a a pretty clear run heavy offense. Um, and although like he, uh, I think is a very talented guy who's like first ballot hall of famer, like his arm strength, I would say like notably declined in the, the second half of, of the season. So I'm just, you know, I'm looking, I'm looking to fade him, but I mean, I'm, I'm basically right there with, uh, with you Raybon. I'm basically looking to fade everyone in front of Kyler Murray. Yeah, and uh, I'll just say about Drew Brees real quick. I know some people, when you say, Oh, his arm strength is fading. They're going to go point to, you know, he, he finished uh, one of the top as one of the top quarterbacks in deep accuracy. And I'll just say you have, you can't just look at the accuracy. You have to look at the, the amount of attempts and, and, and the, and the, and how open the window was because we got tricked into a lot of people got tricked into thinking, Alex Smith was a good deep ball thrower uh, a couple years ago, but really um, he just had some wide open windows and he still wasn't taking that many. So um, you just got to kind of look at it. Well, you can't just look at the, uh, the, the percentage that they complete. Uh, the disrespect. I believe I just heard you say Drew Brees is as bad as Alex Smith. I believe that. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. But, but I mean, it's kind of a similar situation where now yeah. it's, you know, he's kind of throwing a lot of short passes and he has a, a super high completion percentage, but you're right. You know, he's not going downfield as much. And also, he's just very dependent on, on on Michael Thomas. And as much as we like some of the other additions that they have, you know, Jared Cook, we got, we got kind of tricked into that with Kobe Fleer a couple of years ago where we expected a big bump. And, you know, that's not a short thing. And if something happens to Michael Thomas, I mean, that offense could either go even more run heavy or just it, it would be tough for, for Brees to be quite as efficient. So um, there's a lot of things not to like. Yeah, and I was harping on last year how they, you know, they have goal line packages with Taysom Hill Taysom. in there. So, uh, well, they, they kind of stopped that after, I think it was like week six or something, Taysom flipped the ball at Kamara's head and lost <laughs> it. But, you know, this year with the offseason, they'll probably incorporate more. And, you know, that, that's a threat for Breeze that, that relies on his arm so much. So, yeah, I'm yeah. fading him too. All right, quick deep sleeper section. Sean, who do you have here? Well, I mean, you guys are talking about a bunch. Josh Allen, um, you know, Freeman, you alluded to it too. Uh, once the – starter like the top 12 QBs are off the board you know people are going to hold off people don't take their backup quarterback early so I think it just makes these these QB2s fall even farther so I love getting Josh Allen later um, you know he was QB1 in the the last six games of the season after he returned from his elbow issue and um, you know just having that upside and a backup getting him that late is huge and I, I love some of the additions they made uh, I don't think Cole Beasley's going to mesh well with him he's not really the kind of guy that's going to throw dink and dunk, you know, over the middle, but the guy like John Brown and Josh Allen, you know, he led the league last year, 20% of his throws um, over 20 more yards. So I think Josh Brown's a great fit for him. He's going to have a weapon. 
you know, downfield. So I think, you know, even though his rushing stats might regress a little bit, I think he is going to, you know, positively regress in the passing uh, department. So, you know, just getting him as a QB2 or, you know, even later as a QB1 is fine with me. Yeah. Rayvon, who are you looking at here? I like I like Dak Prescott. I think um, you know he's an, he's a quarterback who had two top ten finishes in a row, and then you know last year he kind of slumped a little bit. But um, this is a guy who you know now that he has Amari Cooper, um, he kind of has a, a wide receiver, a number one wide receiver that he can go to again, kind of like he had with Des Bryant his first year. Uh, you know they they kind of shored up. Uh, so the receiver spot should be better too with, with Gallup entering his second year. I'm looking for him to take a jump. You know I, I think Randall Cobb is at at least as good as Cole Beasley. Um, if not slightly better, you're still throwing to Ezekiel Elliott probably 18 19% of the time. Uh, Jason Witten, solid pass catcher. I know he took a year off, but I don't – I mean, Jason Witten's going to be Jason Witten. I don't think there's really any difference, um, you know, between him, how old he gets. He just is what he is. So I think there's a chance that Dak Prescott could really have, so, uh, you know, four or five solid options to throw to. And he's already – we've already seen him do it with, with less. So uh, – and, and he can run, and he, especially when near the goal line he will run too. You know, it's not just, it's even though Zeke gets a ton of touchdowns, you know, Dak has six, six and six touchdowns rushing in each of his three years in the league. So I really like Dak. And I think Trubisky is another one. He's a guy who can put up some, some big rushing stats as well. And he has a pretty solid um, group of, of five guys that are starting receivers, skill position players, excuse me, to throw to as well. The uh, the guy I'm looking at is Lamar Jackson, and uh, Sean, you mentioned him earlier, so not really much that needs to be uh, said about him. Uh, don't really need to talk about it. One thing I do need to talk about, however, is uh, Airbnb experiences. I mentioned them last week on the show. Uh, I mentioned that I had uh, scheduled an experience, and I'll talk about that later in the show. That's what we call a tease. But right now, I just want to remind you uh, about how awesome Airbnb experiences are. Uh, you know about Airbnb. It's your go-to site if you're looking for a place to stay, but you should also check out the site for Airbnb experiences, which provide access to activities that can't easily be found elsewhere. Airbnb experiences are designed for active participation so you can do something new. They are curated for quality and vetted for safety. These aren't your typical tours and activities. Airbnb experiences are hosted by locals who have deep expertise in their field. And I really want to emphasize that. Real experts with long-time hands-on experience who are guiding you through your own experience. With these experiences, you learn things that you can't find online or in a textbook. And most importantly, you have fun. These our Airbnb experiences uh, that you can find in over a thousand cities around the world. Uh, So there are lots of options for you to choose from. You don't need to be traveling to try Airbnb experiences. You can do them right in your hometown. That's what I did this past weekend. And I had a blast for your own adventures. Check out airbnb.com slash experiences to explore one of a kind activities created for the curious bros. Let's talk about running backs. Sean, who are you targeting at uh, his ADP? Okay, so Devontae Freeman, and he is definitely part of the frozen pond, so you know I hate going there. Just to recap, last year, I mean, the the running back twos I tend to shy away from. Just looking at last year, some of the guys in the RB2 ranges, Jordan Howard, LaShawn McCoy, Kenyon Drake, Derrick Henry, who, you know, did good in the fantasy playoffs, but if you had him, he probably didn't help you to get there. Uh, Lamar Miller, Royce Freeman, Jamal Williams, Deion Lewis, Tevin Coleman. I mean, it's just a range that I typically don't target. But this year with my my strategy of, you know, getting receivers or maybe a top three tight end earlier, you know, I'm kind of forced in this range. And I think Devontae Freeman gives you that higher floor than most of these guys. Because I think the problem with RB2 is, um, you know, the, the floor is a lot lower than people think. 
Um, and I think, you know, Freeman's stock fell um, for good reasons. You know, he missed most of last year with his growing injury. Um, so he took a hit there. But, you know, he should fulfill the role that he had before with Tevin Coleman. Ido Smith will be the, the new Tevin Coleman, is sort of the the um, second running back of the RBC. But, um, you know, I'm expecting um, Freeman to probably go closer to his 2017 numbers. Um, so I have him around 800 rushing yards, seven rushing touchdowns, 300 uh, receiving yards, and two receiving touchdowns. Nothing sexy, but just just a high floor player in this range. And then I, I'm going to take more gambles later on in the draft. So I think just um, he gives you uh, a lot of different um, options depending on your draft position or what you do in the first few rounds. That I think he's he's a good stable pick to take usually in the late third or early fourth round. Just based on the few drafts I've had, he's kind of a guy I've been targeting in there. All right, Raybon, what about you? Um, the one I'll talk about here is Lamar Miller. I think that, you know, he's going around pick 70 right now, and he's around RB30. And um, he's a guy, I guess, it's, he's never sexy, but at the end of the day, if you look at, you know, Bill O'Brien and what he's done, he's kind of stuck with Lamar Miller and wrote it out. And he's never really kind of gone away from him too much. He had Foreman kind of you know, splitting work kind of like Alfred Blue a little bit last year, but free uh, Miller, excuse me, is still getting about uh, two thirds of the carries, and I think that'll continue. And at that workload, you know, even though he's not a big receiving back, he'll usually get seven eight percent of the team's targets. I mean, in this kind of offense, the pretty explosive offense. If if everyone's healthy, I think the offensive line got better. Um, and we saw we saw Miller with some juice last year. It's not like he's um, completely dead in the water. I think he popped off a ninety ninety something yard run. Up or something like that. So he's kind of the last running back that I think you have a legitimate chance, at least right now, of feeling pretty good about the workload before you probably want to wait a little bit and, and then just take um, take some more high upside guys that their, their workload isn't as as guaranteed. So I love, I love Miller. And I also love uh, early in, in the draft, I love David Johnson. I think David Johnson has a chance to be the, the RB1 if everything goes right with, uh, with Kyler. Yeah, uh, interesting takes here. Um, Lamar Miller, definitely see value in him. And David Johnson, I think it will be uh, a bounce back year for him, uh, even though he, he really wasn't even all that bad last year. The guy I'm looking at. Sean, you're probably going to think I'm wrong. Uh, sorry, but uh, you'll, you'll correct me. Josh Jacobs, I think this guy is going to not tear it up because he's so good, but I think he's going to be fed the, vo- the ball at such a high volume that uh, he – he can't help but get like 1200 scrimmage yards. And I don't think the, the Raiders are going to be scoring a lot of touchdowns, but I think they're still going to be incentivized to let him run the ball into the end zone, as opposed to letting Derek Carr attempt to throw it in. And Jacobs is a pretty good pass catcher on his own. So there's a guy, you know, drafted in the first round, 21 years old. Those guys tend to have success uh, pretty quickly too. And he's a three down back. I mean, I think he's going to be used a lot. He's going right now around like running back 16 uh, in rounds, kind of like three or four. I I think he could provide value like a guy drafted in round two, maybe even the end of round one. So, and I think his ADP will start to move up in that direction the closer we get towards the season. So I would be looking to draft him now. But what what do you guys think about Josh Jacobs? Because I think he's going to be like one of the, the question marks of uh, of the offseason. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I agree with that. And he's definitely a higher floor guy than we realize, especially with Crowell put on IR. Um, I think he's a safe bet for 250 or more touches. 
he kind of reminds me of like Royce Freeman from last year where I thought he had the job to himself. So unless you think Doug Martin's going to turn into Philip Lindsay of last year, um, I just think Josh Jacobs is a great pick. So yeah, I, I, I can get behind that. Um, you know, if his, if his ADP starts to hit into the top 15 though, uh, I'll probably pass because there is some yeah. question marks there. But uh, as of right now, I think you'd still get value in him. Yeah, I think if you look at what the Raiders are doing, it seems like they just signed Crowell to, to be in the Doug Martin role. Um, and then when Crowell got hurt, they brought back Doug Martin. So if you look at while Marshawn Lynch was healthy, who I think Jacobs is going to be the one-for-one one replacement for, um, Marshawn Lynch had uh, 88 carries uh, in, those, in those six weeks he was healthy, and, and Doug Martin had 26. And not only that, but Marshawn Lynch also had – 20 targets in those six games. And that's over, that's over three targets a game. And Marshall Lynch is not even really a big pass catching back. So I think it's pretty clear what Gruden has in mind, especially since they, you know, they, they got it. They went and got him in the first round. Uh, I think it's pretty clear that they want him to, to be at that one for one replacement for Lynch. And I think the Raiders offense actually could be, I, you know, I'm not a big Derek Carr fan at all, but I think the Raiders offense could be at least solid you know, in a way that, you know, supports fantasy production, kind of like the Giants with Eli last year, where it was like, oh my God, he's just throwing all these check downs. But at the end of the day, you know, you had Beckham and you had Barkley, you had all these guys and, you know, the, the, the skill players were fine. All right, let's look at some players we might be looking to fade. Uh, Sean, who do you have here? Well, I think the obvious one right now would be Todd Gurley. You know, after the Rams decided to keep Malcolm Brown and they drafted Daryl Henderson in the third round, I think it's clear that they, you know, they're not expecting to be 100% going in next year. And, you know, his ADP is still uh, sixth overall, I believe. So, I mean, I can only see that going down. Um, now, you know, over the summer, he might fall to like later in the second round. And I'll probably, you know, consider scooping him up then. But just as of right now, I'm completely staying away because there's, there's absolutely no reason to take him. I'd rather just start um, taking, you know, the top elite wide receivers as opposed to yeah I don't like gambling on a first round pick so basically I'm just saying there's there's no reason to gamble on uh, Todd Gurley this early in the, the draft season all right Rayvon what about you so for me and I just want to that's a really good one on Gurley I uh, just want to point out that Daryl uh, Henderson they took him in the third round over the last five years uh, backs picked in round three average 137 touches um, so that just kind of shows you um, how Gurley's workload could be cut into but for me it's Darius Geis you know, maybe this will change if we get some better news. But right now he's going as the RB25. And to me, that's just making way too many assumptions. You know, that's assuming that he's 100% healthy and, and over his his ACL injury, which, you know, Adam Schefter reported in late April that Geis is actually not fully healthy and that he is um, somewhat behind schedule. Then you have to kind of assume that uh, the coaching staff is going to feel good about his health, that even though he was – kind of, you know, not quite on schedule that by the time the season rolls around that they feel good enough to give him uh, a, a sizable workload. And then you have to, and, and you also have to assume that within all that, he plays well enough to kind of completely knock Adrian Peterson out of the, uh, of the rotation because you're still going to have Chris Thompson there until he gets hurt at least. Um, so, you know, Adrian Peterson might not just go away and it, it might end up being kind of one of these like three-way splits with, uh, you know, Alfred Morris and Matt Jones and Chris Thompson that year instead of, you know, just the the, the workhorse Alfred Morris role that, that we were used to from those other years. So I just think there's way too many um, kind of assumptions being made here with guys to take him as if he's just going to be this lead back. And he also probably won't catch a lot of passes just because you still do have um, Chris Thompson there. So and then all, and also you have to assume that, you know, has, there wasn't anything to Haskins 
falling in the draft, you know, where everyone's, you know, making fun of the, the Giants and rightfully so, you know, it's kind of got under talked about a little how, you know, the Broncos didn't want Haskins either. Um, the Giants passed on him and, you know, he kind of fell into the Redskins lap, but who knows how far he would have fallen if the, if the Redskins didn't take him. So um, you have to kind of hope that he's going to be, um, you know, good for that offense and make people around him better. Cause if not, you're just left with a really fragile, um, shaky offense where Geis would have to create, you know, whatever touchdown and opportunities he was getting kind of himself with, with long runs, which, you know, he could do, but um, it's just too many things working against him for, for me to take him as a, you know, a, a top 25 back right now. So uh, I'll just say, I know I need to move guys down in my rankings that that will be coming at some point. I'm, I'm way too optimistic on him, but uh, that's, it's probably, um, the dynasty perspective that's kind of seeping in and biasing me because I still think long-term he has a lot of potential there. Uh, the guy I'm looking to fade and it's, it's kind of for uh, somewhat similar reasons, but uh, Chris Carson, just like guys is going to face, I think a lot of competition from Adrian Peterson Carson, I think will definitely face competition from Rashad Penny, who is, you know, just last year drafted with a first round pick. I think he's still going to, uh, to get his opportunities. And I don't know if it's, for sure that we are going to see the Seahawks be as run heavy this upcoming year as they were last year. You know, it's, it's probable they will still run the ball quite a bit, but um, even if they just reduce slightly the extent to which they rely on the run, uh, I think that will hurt uh, Chris Carson. So uh, I am looking to fade him. Let's talk about some of the deeper sleepers we might be focusing on. Uh, Sean, who do you have here? So mine's, mine's just kind of fits in with my overall strategy at running back. Uh, my guy is Elijah McGuire, and I know he's completely irrelevant as long as Le'Veon Bell is healthy. But, you know, towards the end of the draft, you, you can get him, you know, close to the last round. Um, you just need to worry about the guy that drafts Le'Veon Bell might handcuff him. But, you know, I don't draft the kicker. I don't draft the defense. I don't draft the backup tight end. I don't take that many backup wide receivers. So I just like to load up on these uh, backups that I think if the starting running back were to miss any time, they will be, you know, the three down back. And he proved that last year. Um, it was weeks 14 through 17 last year where he uh, took over his lead back for the Jets. Um, and he was RB 13 in PPR. So he's proven that he can handle a, work, a heavy workload. Um, so I think he's just one of the many guys I'm going to be loading up at the end of the draft just to, you know, kind of potentially have – uh, you know, waiver wire uh, winner. So uh, he, he's a guy that I'm targeting this early uh, in the season, but I'm going to have many more like it. And uh, I'm perfectly aware that he needs Le'Veon Bell to uh, miss time for now for any value. Yeah. I mean, as you mentioned, the one thing that is good about him, we saw uh, last year in uh, glimpses and saw it in college, he does have a three down skill set. Uh, so definitely that makes him much, uh, much more worthy to be a, a late round pick than someone who just is, is a, you know, wanted to down grinder or just a pass catching back. Raybon, who are you looking at later in drafts? Yeah, so for, for kind of similar reasons, I think, uh, you know, Chase Edmonds, the backup running back in in Arizona has a lot of value and he's going at running back 82 right now. I mean, you know, David Johnson, as much as I like him and I think he can be the number one overall player in fantasy this year. Um, the bottom line is he is also an injury risk. I mean, he's a guy that is going to be getting a lot of touches and, um, you know, if you look at, you know, the, the models of sports injury predictor did, they actually have him as one of the highest risk um, players for injury. Um, and they have him projected to miss about, I think, five games or so. Or, no, four, three, 3.75 games. So, you know, that's, that's kind of a red flag. And I think that Edmonds would be the guy 
to, to step in in that case. And um, again, in, in this offense, which I think is going to, to, to have a lot of success with, with Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury, uh, I think if, if Johnson goes down and you have another running back in there and you can get him that cheap, I think you want to jump on it. And I think he's a valuable handcuff um, either way because he's one of those guys where you don't really see uh, another guy on the roster kind of overtaking him. So that's the main guy I'm looking at. But I also want to point out another player um, who I think is kind of going under-talked about, uh, and that's Darwin Thompson of the Chiefs, um, rookie out of Utah State, six-round pick, a uh, really fast guy. Now, if Tyreek Hill was out, um, I think that, you know, Thompson could kind of be used as a one of those kind of Tariq Cohen, Cohen-like players. Um, it's kind of a weapon all over the field. Um, and it's not ne- might not necessarily just be, you know, McCole Hardman as a one-for-one replacement. They, they might have to do a lot of different things to kind of replicate that production. So he's a player I would at least – uh, keep an eye on as a, as the season progresses um, because he's he's going to be free. Oh, I don't think his ADP is going to climb, but I would just monitor him as the uh, as the offseason progresses. All right, one guy I'm uh, keeping an eye on is Ronald Jones, and I I almost kind of hate to say it just because he was such a non-entity last year, really even barely got the opportunity to uh, to touch the ball, and then when he did touch the ball, he was incredibly not productive, but. Uh, it's a new offensive system there. Uh, one thing that is really in his favor is that the Buccaneers didn't draft another running back. And uh, I thought it was probable that they actually would draft someone, uh, you know, at least in rounds three or four. Um, but it looks like it's just going to be uh, Jones and Peyton Barber. And, you know, Peyton Barber as, I don't know, as workmanlike as he was last year, I think he showed that he's kind of just a guy. But uh, Ronald Jones, I think, still has the potential to, uh, to overtake him and to beat the lead back. And I think he could get a boost in production just based on uh, expected second-year improvement. And I actually think it's not unlike the boost that some guys get when they decide to treat their erectile dysfunction with Roman. Oh, yeah, we are back with another strong, robust, manly Roman Adderid. Bros, if you are starting to slip into your Antonio Brown non-peak twilight, sexually speaking, uh, and you find that it's harder and harder for you to get up for the big game, uh, if you find yourself doing outlandish things to distract from your slipping performance, like, I don't know, dyeing your mustache blonde, it might be time to go to Roman, an easy way to get checked out by a doctor and treated online. Roman is a one-stop shop where licensed U.S. physicians can diagnose ED and ship medication right to your door. With Roman, there are no waiting rooms, awkward face-to-face conversations, or uncomfortable trips to the pharmacy. You can handle everything discreetly online. All you have to do is visit GetRoman.com slash NFLPod, fill out a brief medical onboarding chat with the doctor, and get FDA-approved ED meds delivered to your door in unmarked packaging. Guys, go online and get checked out by the doctor. Get into the end zone with Roman. For a free online visit, go to GetRoman.com slash NFLPod. That is GetRoman.com slash NFLPod. For a free online visit, GetRoman.com slash NFLPod. Let's talk about some wide receivers. Sean, who are you looking at at his ADP? So right now I'm looking at uh, Sammy Watkins, who's at uh, wide receiver 24 right now. Um, I think if and when Tyreek Hill, um, it's official that he won't be playing in 2019, which remains to be seen. Uh, I think his uh, Watkins ADP that is uh, will go up a little bit um, as he will be the unquestioned number one wide receiver in this offense. You know, after Travis Kelsey um, and some of the pass catching backs like Damian Williams, they don't really have much, uh, you know, Meikle Hardman could end up being, you know, a poor man's tired kill. But uh, I, I think that Sammy Watkins is going to, you know, he could be, you know, have wide receiver one potential with Patrick Mahomes as his quarterback. So, you know, when it comes to last year, he, he had his 
season derailed with his foot injury. But, you know, weeks one through nine, he was wide receiver 24, and that was with everybody healthy. So um, I think he has a ton of potential still. He's entering his prime at 26. So I think his last few years of injury history and struggles, I think that's what's kind of lowering his ADP right now. But I have no reason to think that, you know, his his talent can't rise right here and, you know, be the focal point of this offense. So I'm willing to take a chance on this this early and think he could climb into the top 20 when all is said and done, especially after uh, Hill becomes official. Yeah, I like that. I know there's a case to be made for why Sammy Watkins wouldn't have much more success, uh, even if he becomes the number one. But I, I still think he could have some success, even if he's not seeing the same targets that uh, used to go to uh, Tyreek Hill, like the same types of targets. He would still, I presume, see an increased target share, uh, which would you know obviously result in more production. Um, Raybon, who do you have here? Uh, so I really like Christian Kirk of the Arizona Cardinals. He's entering his second year, which is always something I look for. I think a lot of times with these second-year receivers, um, you know, used to be back in the day that you know receivers broke out in their third year only, and that was generally the big year. Now I think you have to look at the second year a lot more seriously. That's when you see the biggest jumps in, in, in target share and, and all that. So um, Kirk is a guy who, uh, if you look last year, he actually got a 19% uh, target share. He was That's a pretty sizable target share. It's just that – uh, he was, you know, the Cardinals were four, 495 pass attempts. That was, you know, bottom five in the league. I think they're going to throw a lot more this year. And Kirk is actually the prototypical weapon that you would use uh, in, in a Kingsbury type of offense. He's a guy that can catch short passes. He's a guy that can go over the top and do everything in between. And he has athleticism that I think Larry Fitzgerald um, is kind of lacking at this point. So I think Kirk is actually a good bet if David Johnson uh, is in. I think Kirk is actually a, a decent bet to weed Arizona in targets this year. And Fitzgerald might be second. Um, because I think Kirk is going to get a ton of easy of easy completions in addition to to what else he's doing. Another guy kind of in a, a similar vein of that is uh, Curtis Samuel of the Carolina Panthers. I think he he's a guy that if you look last year, yo, his target share um, once he started becoming a, a full-time player was like probably a percentage point uh, behind DJ Moore, who I also like coming into his second year but I think Samuel's a guy that they're going to continue to try to get the ball to a lot and you know Samuel they would he would sometimes get you know five six targets and, and one two rushing attempts and he would only play about 20 30 percent of the snaps so that just shows you how much uh, they're trying to get him uh, the football and I think Greg Olson's on the downside of his career so I think you're going to have more as the number one but you're going to have Samuel as a guy that's going to be kind of used uh, in that same way as an all-purpose um, kind of really poor man's version of uh, Tyreek Hill for that offense so um, those are two guys that I'm looking at that you can still get outside of the top 36. And I think um, I would feel comfortable starting as a wide receiver three um, at least. Yeah, I like those. The uh, The Christian Kirk one is interesting in that he was productive right away at A&M. Uh, I think he will fit in really well with what Cliff Kingsbury wants to do and that he can play inside, but I think he can also play outside uh, better than than people maybe would have expected when he entered the league. So a lot of potential with him. The guy I am going with is Amari Cooper. Uh, you can get him in rounds two or three right now going off the board, you know, like around wide receiver 12. Um, but I think he has upside for more. It's incredibly hard for a wide receiver to be traded in the middle of the season and to be productive. Um, we saw how little Golden Tate did last year in the middle of the season when he was traded to the Eagles. But Amari Cooper really hit the ground running. And I think with a full offseason to be able to uh, be incorporated into the offense to work on his timing with Dak Prescott, uh, there could be a lot of potential there for him. And he was you know, a wide receiver one 
you know, from the time he was traded to Dallas, just in terms of his overall production. And his consistency might not be um, something that you can rely on. Uh, it, you know, there might be peaks and valleys, but I'm still, I'm still fine with that. Uh, I, I think that that, uh, especially for best ball is fine, but even for seasonal leagues, you know, the, the peaks and valleys of guys volatility that tends to be, um, I think normalized over the, like the portfolio of, you know, like nine to 11 players that you're starting on any given week. Uh, so I'm really not even all that worried about, uh, maybe consistency issues with him. So I like him a lot, Sean, who do you have as someone you might be looking to fade? Um, so even though I, I love this guy's talent, uh, I, I think DJ Moore at wide receiver 20 is just too high for him. Um, he does, you know, I like that he adds some rushing stats, but, uh, you know, when this Panthers receiver core is healthy, uh, there, there's just not enough passing yards to go around to really make someone like DJ Moore consistent. Uh, he's going to have some big weeks for sure, but, you know, just on a week-to-week basis, out of my wide receiver two, I'm going to want somebody – that I could rely on week to week. So, you know, if he were to fall towards, you know, the high 20s or early 30s, I'd, I'd love to get him there. But, I mean, wide receiver 20 is just too high for me. Um, so I'd rather – I guy I mentioned earlier, I'd rather have Sammy Watkins than him. So DJ Moore is just not going to be a guy I'm targeting most of my drafts. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point because I think what's going on here is like everyone's kind of realizing the second year breakout for more and he's like priced appropriately because I think he has that kind of upside, but I agree. It's like you're not getting any type of discount, whereas if you go a little further down the draft, um, there are guys who – you, you, you can get that kind of second year uh, discount where they're not really projecting that full that full leap yet. So I, I like that. Exactly. Yeah, I like that. And Rayvon, to, to your point there, uh, Curtis Samuel versus DJ Moore. I mean, I know that there's a difference between them, but there's not that much of a difference between them. And you can get uh, Curtis Samuel much later. Rayvon, who are you looking to fade? Who am I looking to fade? So there are a couple of guys, and a lot of it is is more – this is probably geared toward best ball, especially right now. I'll give you a couple of names. Uh, Cooper Cup, just because I think he's another guy who – if he's getting taken at the right spot, if he's fully healthy, if he's finally back. But right now, you don't need to take him at, at wide receiver, you know, 20, because we don't know if he's healthy. We don't know if he's going to have a setback. You know, we don't – that's not a guarantee, you know, while he was gone. You know, I know, you know, Jared Goff struggled without him, but – you know, you still have Brandon Cooks there. You still have uh, Robert Woods. You still have Gurley. And you're probably going to have some some targets for Henderson. You still have the tight end. So um, it's, if he's not, you know, 100% of what he was before, there's a chance that, you know, we could have a season a little more like maybe his rookie year. Um, so until we kind of know for a fact that he's good to go, um, I would just hold off on him. But another guy kind of like that is is Emmanuel Sanders, who still getting taken in the top 100 picks in, in a lot of ADPs that I'm seeing. And, I, you know, I just think that's a really tough injury, um, you know, with the uh, with the Achilles to, to come back from, especially at his age. And he was already a, a player that, you know, was kind of at times – getting catching a lot of underneath stuff and he was playing more in the slot lately and you know Denver does have three guys you know that that played decently well last year in in Cortland Sutton Tim Patrick and Deshaun Hamilton they also just drafted a tight end that can catch the ball in Noah Fant Uh, they they have Philip Lindsay so you know this is an injury that's just really tough for for guys to come back from at any age especially if you're a receiver over 30 so I think there's a chance that that Sanders becomes a lot more of a kind of a a rotational piece or kind of a not not a main cog the way 
Um, he has been over these last few years. So I wouldn't really touch him anywhere near his ADP or really at all until, you know, unless we kind of see him in the preseason and he's 100% healthy and he's looking like his old self and he's going to be that number one guy. Um, and then another guy for, for non-injury reasons is Robbie Anderson. He's going as the wide receiver 31 right now in the sixth to seventh round. I think that's way too high. I think the last couple of years, the attraction with Robbie Anderson was that um, the Jets really didn't have much at pass catcher. And so Robbie Anderson was a guy who, you know, he was getting kind of a lot of targets by default. I mean, he's a good player. I like him as a player. But uh, right now, if you look at like the Jets receiving core, you have well, first of all, you have Le'Veon Bell, who you know is going to get anywhere from probably 15 to 20 percent of that target share because that's one of his specialties. And then you also have uh, Jamison Crowder, who they just signed. Remember, it's a new regime, too, with Adam Gase. You have Jamison Crowder. You have Quincy Nunwa coming back. And uh, you have Herndon, Chris Herndon, entering his second year at tight end. So Robbie Anderson, he runs the lowest percentage routes out of all of these guys. And um, there's a chance that on any given week or even over the full season, he could be the fourth or the fifth option in terms of targets. And that's just a lot of volatility that I don't think you need to, even in a best ball where he, it kind of suits him. I just don't think you need to take Robbie Anderson that high when you can get uh, players of a, a kind of a similar type much later on. I mean, I don't think there's much difference between a Robbie Anderson and a guy like a Kenny Stills or, or, or a couple other guys that I'll talk about uh, who I like later on. So Anderson is a guy for non-injury reasons that I'd be looking to fade. Yeah, Rayvon, to your point about Anderson and Sanders, uh, Anderson, it seems like he's probably going to be playing the uh, Devontae Parker role, and that wasn't uh, really all that valuable for uh, Parker down in Miami. And Emmanuel Sanders, I don't even have him ranked in our, our top 200, <laughs> which <laughs> might, might be aggressive, but like this is a guy who's over 30 who's coming off one of the worst injuries that a wide receiver can come off of, uh, the, the Achilles tear. So uh, there's talk that he's going to open the season on the PUP. Um, I mean, I don't know if – honestly, I don't know if we even see him play this year. Um, so I just, I mean, I honestly could, and I wasn't like trying to be like hot takey with it. It was just like, I don't, I don't know, uh, why I would draft this guy when I could draft these like 50, 60, 70 other wide receivers in front of him. It's just so it's hard because you don't really, this it's such a rare injury and it's such a rare situation that it's hard to really kind of properly adjust for, okay, well, am I going to, you know, am I going to project him to play less games? Am I just going to project him for less of a target? Share? Like it's, it's not, these situations are so uncommon um, when you get like kind of a number one target who now, you know, we just don't know. We don't know yeah. what, what's going to happen. So I, I, I do. <laughs> for me, it's, it's the literal <laughs> trifecta in which I'm projecting him for fewer games, <laughs> a lower target share in, <laughs> in which he You're, plays, and less yards on each target. So, yeah, I mean, it's just I'm, I'm full fading. Uh, Sean, you were going to say something. Well, yeah, I was just – there's no reason to take Emmanuel Sanders. He's, he's at the point where it's going to be sort of, you know, your casual fantasy player is going to see Kiki QT, Nikhil Harry, James Washington, and Emmanuel Sanders and go, who the hell are those guys, and just take the guy they know. So, yeah, it's just absolutely no reason to take Emmanuel Sanders. He's going way too high. Yeah. Oh my God. If you see Kiki QT and you take Emmanuel, please. Oh my God. Like Kiki, Kiki, he's another sleeper. I didn't, I didn't really yeah, yeah. He, He's a guy who, even with Hopkins and, and Fuller in there, was, was still having a lot of high volume games. And Houston doesn't spread the ball around very much. They're very kind of deliberate in targeting their best players. And so QT could easily get a 20% target here, even with uh, Fuller also getting, you know, 19, 20 and Hopkins getting 30. So that's yeah. another guy. Well, that's QT. a good point. QT is great because you know when to play him when he's actually playing. 
<laughs> right. Yeah, yeah him, him and Emmanuel Sanders probably have the same games play projection, but I think you take a be a lot, a lot uh, more uh, effective. Yeah. Uh, speaking of a guy who's over 30 and used to play for the Steelers, uh, Antonio Brown is a guy I'm obviously looking to fade here. Um, he's going as the wide receiver seven in round two. I think there's uh, an outside chance that he's not even in the top 30 at his position at the end of the season if things go really sideways for the the Raiders I I mean I don't know if I want to even go further down that rabbit hole I think my uh disdain for Antonio Brown where he is at this point in his career is pretty well known but even if he is targeted to the extent that he was last year and I think that is not a safe assumption I think he will see a slight dip in targets even if he is targeted very heavily I think he will be less efficient in terms of uh, yards accumulated per target and then much less efficient in terms of touchdowns accumulated per target. Um, So he's someone I'm really looking to stay away from, given that he's uh, had the luxury his entire career of playing on a competitive team with a good quarterback. I think now he's going to have uh, a much worse situation on both of those fronts. Uh, Let's talk about the guys deep sleeping in the 2019 fantasy football rankings. Uh, Sean, who do you have at the wide receiver position? Uh, so I mentioned earlier, but uh, John Brown, uh, I think he's a great fit uh, with Josh Allen on the Bills. Um, you know, he's going to be his main deep target. Uh, and, you know, last year, John Brown was doing great uh, with Joe Flacco. Uh, he was wide receiver 15 in the first half of the season. And then he predictably fell face of the earth when uh, Lamar Jackson took over. So I'm not docking that against Brown in any way. Uh, so I think this is a great fit for him. You know, traditional season-long leagues – I probably wouldn't target him, but, you know, for a best ball, like, he's great because you don't have to figure out which weeks he's going to go off. Uh, but he's going to have several weeks where, you know, catches a deep ball. So I love him in best ball. And another guy is more of a game theory play uh, is Josh Reynolds. Uh, his ADP is basically free. You could just take him last pick if you want. Uh, but, you know, he's a guy where if any of the Rams receivers, whether it's Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, or Brandon Cooks goes down, he's, you know, in the starting lineup. And last year when uh, Cup went down, he was a uh, you know a low end wide receiver three. So um, he kind of has that built in upside that I think is worth taking super late when you're going to get a potential starting uh, receiver on one of the top pass passing offenses in the league. So uh, I love him as just a game theory flyer late in the draft. Yeah, I like that, Sean. Uh, pretty sharp there, Raybon. Who do you have? This is interesting because I also I'm going in a similar direction. Um, in terms of looking for Josh Allen pass catchers, which actually sounds absurd that <laughs> Sean and I are just going back to back with one of, I mean, at least coming into the uh, league was considered one of the most inaccurate quarterbacks pretty much of all time. But I really think um, we need to be taking Robert Foster. I think that, um, and, I, and, I, and I don't disagree with Brown either. I think Brown's going to have a great season. I think there's a reason why you're seeing the, the Bills kind of build a receiving core this way. Um, first of all, I think they were a little underwhelmed with, with Zay Jones. But, I mean, this guy, Robert Foster, he's a guy who, at Alabama, I mean, he didn't even catch, he caught 35 passes in four years. His senior year, he caught, he played 10 games and caught 14 balls. Um, he really did absolutely nothing in college. I mean, got, caught a lot of bad breaks and then a, a lot of good players in front of him, but he came out um, this, you know, last year and he had a 22.9 per, uh, uh, yard average depth of target. He caught 61% of his passes. 22.9 uh, 22.9 yard average depth and caught 61 um, percent of his passes. Um, just a just a I think a guy who's a lot more talented than you know than his like 
college pedigree indicates and um the bills kind of realize this and and that's why they they kind of um kind of featured him near the end of the year and i think you know josh allen he, him and Josh Allen got a lot of reps last year, and I think that that, that connection is going to kind of carry over into this year. And I think he has the potential to be um, to be a, a top twenty four guy, you know, for the Bills. And I think he's the guy that when you're when people are taking like Robbie Anderson in you know in the, in the seventies or the eighties, I think this is a guy that you want to kind of wait wait to take instead because he's he's going to give you a lot of that production or even a guy like James Washington who people are taking over him in a lot of cases who I don't think is locked into a role I think Foster is going to be um a, a starter on his team and we saw Belichick even um try to scheme to take him away um which says a lot about about how talented he is so I think he's a guy that I'm really I'm really high on him this year yeah, Raybon, to your point about Foster, and it's it's always questionable as to how much this stuff matters. But, uh, I mean, he was a five-star recruit to Alabama, played on some kind of weird Alabama teams where I don't, I don't think they had good quarterback situations. And, and by some scouting services, the number one wide receiver recruit in the country. So, you know, kind of from like a, a, a long-distance Bayesian prior, like there is some potential there uh, with him. Uh, so, it, you know, it wouldn't be surprising if a guy who was awesome entering college ended up having a, uh, you know, at least a decently productive season in the NFL. Um, so, yeah, he's someone to, to keep in mind. And I agree. I think uh, Foster and John Brown, both of those guys fit well with Josh Allen's skill set. One of the guys I am really looking to target is Andy Isabella. And it's, uh, Raymond, it's, it's kind of similar to uh, the, the Christian Kirk thesis that you have, uh, except, you know, someone who uh, is just much, much cheaper. Um, but I think because they will play a lot of three and four wide receiver sets uh, and Isabella as a second rounder, uh, someone they you know they actively targeted. I think he's someone who has a lot of potential, you know, just because of the scheme fit. But then on top of that, I think he's Brandon Cooks, like in terms of of what he can do in and the comp I, I had for him entering the league. You know, obviously wasn't drafted in the first round, but a second round draft grade is still something that's pretty impressive. Uh, and then incredibly productive throughout his college career and is versatile. Uh, not only can he catch the ball, but he can return the ball. He can run the ball. He can play inside. He can play outside. So uh, I think there's a lot of potential there with him. And if for some reason something doesn't work out with Christian Kirk, um, I think Isabella, I don't want to say it could be like a one from one thing where he just slides into Christian Kirk's role, but I don't know. I think the ball is going to be spread around quite a bit. Uh, and I think there will be a lot of targets just in general to go around. So uh, I think Isabella has so much upside going like as the wide receiver 75, like going undrafted in a lot of formats. Uh, so he's someone I'm definitely looking to target. Um, yep. I sh- that, oh, I was going to say ahead. that that was actually a guy who I wanted to to put for mine, but you had already stolen him, so I, I let I let you have that. But I I agree, and I don't think it's necessarily about even Kirk. I think I think you kind of hit on. I think they're going to run a ton of three and four wide sets. I think they're not um quite, even though uh, Ricky Seals Jones went to uh you know was coached by Kingsbury at, at Texas Tech. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that he's not necessarily as high on him, or, or he's going to use the, the tight end position um quite as much. So I think the guys the guys that I'm really high on in that offense are you know, Kirk, DJ, and, and Isabella. And I think that Larry Fitzgerald could kind of fall down at the totem pole a little just because um, he's not quite as athletic as what you really would want um, in that offense. So there's a chance that, you know, you know, if, if Larry Fitzgerald and, and, and Isabella are playing on the inside, just because Isabella is, you know, I think can, 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 can probably get open just as well, if not better, um, just because he's so much younger than Larry at this age that he could actually be you know be higher up on the target totem pole than we think too so i actually am on board with that with that take 
Uh, I should mention um, earlier in the show, I talked about how I, uh, for this past weekend, uh, had an Airbnb experience. And I, uh, I want to mention that in more detail because it was so awesome. So my wife and I moved to Cedar Rapids a little under three years ago. Uh, we still fight, feel like we're kind of uh, learning the area. Like we don't uh, really know where to go if we want to do like outdoorsy type of things. So on Airbnb experiences, we booked a hiking experience and uh, it was amazing. I might even say life-changing and I'm not really even exaggerating when I say that. Uh, it was simultaneously tiring and reinvigorating. Uh, afterward, my wife and I said to each other, like, we need to do this again really soon. Uh, the experience was created by Maria. Shout out to Maria, who was incredible. She's a professional naturalist with a degree in fish and wildlife biology, and her expertise was immense. Uh, she was pointing out all of these birds and bushes and really just everything. Like, oh, uh, those are northern orioles. They just returned this week on their migration route. Uh, oh, you see that plant? Uh, it takes seven years to bloom. Oh, you see that tree stump? Don't sit on it. There's usually a snake underneath it. Uh, oh, you see that plant? It's horrible. It's taking over the forest, but it makes great pesto if you get it at the right time of year. Uh, and then she pulled out uh, the plant out of the ground and was like, I'm taking this home with me. Uh, at one point, she dug up a wild leek and gave it to us to eat. And it was delicious. For maybe an hour of the hike, we were walking literally through the middle of a creek. Uh, I felt like a real rugged wilderness man. Uh, and she was pointing out how the landscape has uh, evolved. She was like, you see that big flat rock with the striations? That's from glaciers thousands of years ago. She talked about the history of the area. Uh, it was just this really incredibly life-rich experience. At one point, we were standing in the state of Iowa, in Iowa Township, in Iowa Country, uh, Iowa County, rather, uh, looking at the Iowa River. Uh, the only way that moment could have been more Iowa is if I had been eating corn. It was very reasonably priced. Like Looking back, I would have been willing to pay triple the amount for that experience. Uh, if the rest of the Airbnb experiences are even a quarter as good as my experience was this past weekend, you will be very satisfied with whatever experience you choose to enjoy. For your own adventures, check out airbnb.com slash experiences to explore one-of-a-kind activities created for the curious. Gentlemen, let's close this out by talking about tight ends, players to target at their ADP. Sean, who do you have? So I love me some OJ Howard, especially since he's sort of the end of this middle uh, second tier for tight ends. Um, obviously, I mentioned earlier, I'm trying to get one of the top three tight ends if I can. Uh, but if I miss out, I'm trying to get OJ Howard at the end of this next tier. You know, last year he was tight end five in the first 11 weeks before he had to, to miss the rest of the season with um, foot and ankle injuries. And that, that was, you know, dealing with two quarterbacks, two rotating in and out. So I love him this year. He's he's entering his third season at age 25. So, as, you know, we know tight ends, they, they typically take a little bit longer uh, to develop. So he should be entering his prime this year. Um, they also lost Deshaun Jackson, Adam Humphreys. Uh, so there's going to be some more targets coming in. And they, you know, they brought in Brashad Perryman to, to, to soak up a couple of those targets. So there's going to be a ton of targets going uh, OJ Howard's way. So um, I love him. I think he's going to have a huge 2019. I think it makes sense as far as my draft strategy to kind of get him. And if, if I don't get him, I'm probably punting on uh, tight end altogether. All right, Ray Bond, uh, who do you have here? So I actually, uh, I think that uh, David Njoku was part of this that tier as well. I really like him this year. And it's actually, you know, a lot of people would think that, you know, with Odell Beckham coming there, that it would be a reason to like him uh, a lot less. But I think that um, this actually, like having, uh, you know, him bumping down another notch on the target 
ladder actually helps him because I still don't think his target uh, share will change that much. I think it will still be in that kind of 15% range, um, which isn't too much different from, from, from a guy like OJ Howard. And I think he can be that same type of efficient because um, if you look at Baker Mayfield and, and what he was doing last year, he was uh, probably the most efficient to to the non-top targets. Um, and that's just kind of a thing that, you know, quarterbacks like Mayfield that have experience in that area, they know how to spread the ball around. But, you know, that's that was because Landry and, and Njoku were the top two focuses of the defense. And so you saw Mayfield have a lot of success throwing to Rashad Perriman, throwing to Rashad Higgins, and, and those guys who were, who were getting more of the single coverage. I think this year, you know, because of Beckham's presence, now, you, you know, you have to kind of devote a lot less resources to, to Njoku. So I think you could kind of see that similar type of efficiency that you saw from uh, O.J. Howard, who had a, uh, benefited from the same thing in Tampa Bay where they had Mike Evans and they had Deshaun Jackson, and, and you just couldn't really – devote your full defensive attention to him. So I think, I think this offense is just going to be monstrous and be in the red zone a lot more even than last year. So I like Najoku as kind of that last, that last gasp before, um, before you kind of have to really just sit back and wait till the end um, and, and get somebody cheaper. Yeah, I like that. I think if you miss those two guys, the person I'm probably targeting after them is Chris Herndon, uh, who you can get later, like in rounds 11, 12, you know, outside of the top 12 at the position, but I think he has top 10 potential entering his second season. He was very productive last year. Now, one of the questions is whether, so I guess there are a couple of questions with him. One, uh, going to a, a new offense uh, with Adam Gase coming in, is he going to see the type of usage he saw last year? And then also with the addition of Jamison Crowder, uh, is Crowder going to get in the middle of the field some of the targets that otherwise would have gone to Herndon? But still, Herndon was so good last year, and I think he showed a, a real connection with um, a, a developing quarterback in Sam Darnold uh, that uh, we could probably see that continue into his second year. So he's someone I'm looking to target, and if it doesn't work out, like it's not a big deal. You got him in rounds 11, rounds 12. Like You just you drop him and you add someone else at that point. Corner, uh, who are you looking to fade? So the guys I'm looking to fade um, are Eric Ebron and Evan Ingram. Now, to be fair, I have them ranked in line with ADP. I do think they're the the number four, number five tight ends. But like I mentioned earlier, I typically like to wait to take guys at the end of a tier. So I'm going to let people sort of trigger this mid-tier by selecting them. Um, I think both of them are going to regress just a little bit. I think they benefit last year from key players being out. Uh, but I, I, it kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier. That there's such a big gap after the top three that, um, you know, I think people sort of panic and they feel like they need to grab one of these guys. But, um, you know, I have them a little bit farther down in my overall ranking. So I think, you know, let your draft kind of dictate when the next route, the tier goes. And then, like I said, I'll, I'll try to scoop up OJ Howard um, later on. But um, just to be clear, these guys are, uh, good tight ends just with my draft strategy they don't really fit into it quite well yeah uh Rayvon what about you so a guy to me is is Austin Hooper I think he's kind of it kind of goes back to what Sean just said you know people kind of looking on the board and they don't have a tight end yet and eight nine ten of tight ends have come off the board and Austin Hooper is going you know within the top 100 picks and I just don't think that you know he's on that caliber of level with with these other guys like uh like a, a, a Njoku or like a Howard who just athletically are so are so much better 
and, you know, just still have kind of unrealized upside. I think we kind of see what Hooper and know what Hooper is. And I think as Calvin Ridley kind of develops, I think, you know, he could even see less target share, you know, Devontae Freeman is going to be back. Um, so I think, you know, he's just not really a sexy pick or a pick that I think you need to make. If I miss out on that, that, that tier with, um, you know, with the, the Howard tier and that kind of second tier, I would just wait a lot longer because, I mean, there's so many other things you can do rather than kind of force a pick with Austin Hooper. Um, you know, you could take a chance on a guy that, uh, you know, is getting an injury discount. Like, we'll see what happens. We don't know yet, so I wouldn't touch him yet. But, you know, Delaney Walker or or Greg Olson or, or somebody like that who, you know, if, if, if they're healthy, they're going to easily probably outproduce um, Hooper. So I think there's a big drop off there. And he's a guy that's kind of just kind of slotted in there because of, you know, you know, people start stop um, kind of getting worried about these tight ends there. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't touch him now. I would just, I would just wait. The uh, guy I'm looking to avoid uh, is Eric Ebron. Uh, Sean, you mentioned him. I mean, I don't know how much needs to be said. A lot of touchdown production he had last year, like a very touchdown dependent guy. Um, I think it's very reasonable to expect he scores fewer touchdowns this year. Uh, probably won't lead the league again in receiving touchdowns. And then also just the additions, uh, or I should say the return of Jack Doyle creates some serious questions as to how much usage Eric Ebron is going to have. And then the additions of Devin Funches. And Funches has uh, a skill set that kind of overlaps with Eric Ebron's. Uh, and then uh, also the addition of Paris Campbell as someone who's a, a legitimate threat to see some targets. Uh, so I think there are lots of questions about Eric Ebron. Uh, as Sean said, a really talented guy. I think it's just a question of uh, how much is he going to be used? And uh, can you find someone who might have similar usage or more usage uh, later in the draft. Uh, let's talk about some deep sleepers. Sean, who do you have? So I'm going with um, Jordan Reed, uh, who kind of had a bizarre season last year where he, he stayed relatively healthy but wasn't you know the points-per-game guy we're used to. But, I mean, even looking at that, he still managed to be the tight end nine uh, when he was healthy weeks one through 13. So he, he didn't even do as bad as people kind of perceive right now. You know, the Redskins, they still have just a ton of mediocre wide receivers. Um, it's not like they could be all on the field at the same time. So he, he's still going to demand a pretty high target share. So I just think, you know, uh, like I mentioned earlier, I, I don't take backup tight ends. So this is purely a best ball play where – you know, if you're, you're drafting your second or third tight end, just take a guy like Jordan Reed, who we know has a ceiling. And, you know, as long as he's healthy, um, we'll put up numbers. So you've, at tight end 20, I think he's he's a, a pretty big steal. All right, Rayvon, what do you got? I like that. I like that Jordan Reed pick. I think he is getting swept on. Although the one thing I actually probably would be the opposite. I would probably take – I would rather take him as my starting tight end in a traditional redraft. So if he gets uh-huh. hurt, I can drop him. Um, yeah, that's why I'd be a little more cautious because I think like the injury projection for him is probably higher than most in the week. Yeah. So I kind of feel, but but I do. I think he's way under. I think he could be going ten picks higher. Um, I, my guy is um, this is a little bit more of a you know deep out there kind of projecting forward, kind of connecting the dots. But Mike Gasecki, um, you know, he's a second year player. You know, we already know that you know tight ends really struggle to put it together in the first year. He was in a, a not really a a great environment last year, you know, in Miami still might not be, but um, you know, he's a, he's got a lot of athleticism. He was taken very highly in the draft, um, had had good college production his last year at Penn state, you know, guys who you know catch over 
um, you know, 50, 50 balls as a tight end in their senior year, they tend to have a, a top, uh, a top 12 PPR season about, about 50% of the time within their first three years in the league. So I think Iseki's a guy you got to look out for because if you look at the Dolphins right now, um, number one, they'd have a lot of interest in, in develop in, in kind of seeing what they have in him because there's a new coaching staff and there's no real receiver that is going to necessarily stand is that stands out right now as a guy that's going to command a high percentage of the target. So I think there's like an outside shot. If Gusecki actually have, you know, makes strides and puts it all together that he could lead this team in, in, uh, in, in targets because you have Kenny Stills who kind of usually gets about 14, 15% of the targets at most. He's a kind of a, a deep ball situational, deep, deep ball guy at this point. Um, you have Devonte Parker who, still hasn't put it all together. You know, I think he has a decent chance to kind of get a new a new life with the with the new regime as well. But, um, you know, he hasn't really done anything. You have Albert Wilson and Jakeem Grant, who probably are, they would probably be, you know, a lot higher up on the totem pole, but they're both coming off serious injuries. And, you know, we, we don't really know exactly where they are in their, their timeline at this point. And then you have Drake, Kenyon Drake, who, you know, will, will catch a lot of passes, but, um, you know, he's going to, we don't know exactly what his role is going to be or if he's going to be used more as a pass catcher than he was under Adam Gase when he was used probably uh, more as a receiver than he was really as a running back. So I think there's a chance that Gusecki kind of steps up and, 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 and makes one of those uh, kind of second year jumps um, with, the, with the new coaching staff. I think it's actually a better fit um, for, for him now that he got, got, now that he has a new coaching staff. And he also put on some weight. Um, so that's going to help him with blocking, which is one of his downsides. And, and I think that'll allow him to stay on the field more, which could also add up to a, maybe a, an extra target or so uh, per game. I like that. It's interesting in that people talked about Noah Fant as if he was this uh, athletic freak that we had never seen the likes of. And people are kind of forgetting, like, that's what Mike Gusecki was last year. Like they're, they're actually like very comparable and uh, Gusecki is going, you know, maybe 30 picks later, but he has uh, the extra year of experience and uh, potential for more targets on his offense. So I think there's, uh, there's actually a lot to like uh, about him in Miami. Then if there's any, like, I hate to say like the, the, the comp comparisons, but if there's any chance that there's like a, a, a second year guy who is this quote unquote years George Kittle that comes out of nowhere, um, he would be my pick. Yeah, that's interesting. And I mean, you can see it. He does have that type of athleticism. Mark Andrews is the guy that I'm going with. I think he's kind of uh, been forgotten. Uh, he was actually really productive last year, especially for a, a rookie tight end. And then you look at how they have rehauled the uh, pass catching core for the Ravens. None of the guys that Lamar Jackson would have had a chance to establish a connection with last year are there this year. And uh, I think Andrews is clearly better than uh, Hayden Hurst, who is the, the first rounder who was drafted at tight end last year. Uh, I think Andrews is going to be the guy who gets most of the snaps. And I mean, it honestly wouldn't be a surprise to me just kind of based on Lamar Jackson's style of play. Like, I don't know if he wants to be uh, throwing it down the field to rookies. It wouldn't be surprising if Andrews actually led the team in targets. You know, who knows what he would do with those targets if they're going to be valuable targets. But uh, I think Andrews going in round, you know, 13 or so as the you know, 20th, 22nd tight end off the board. Uh, I think there's a lot of potential there for a guy to continue to improve in his second season. Any thoughts from either of you on uh, Mark Andrews? I, I'd like, I like him a lot. He's another guy who I think I would kind of put in that bucket of, okay, if there's a kind of a tight end that could ascend to elite status um, out of seemingly nowhere, I would think it would be Andrews. I, I, he had um, a, just a, a lot of, a lot of success 
with, you know, some targets even down the field um, yeah. with, with Lamar last year. And uh, he was another guy who I believe was incredibly uh, productive in, in college, if I'm not mistaken. And I think that's yeah. usually – yeah, 62 catches his, his uh, senior year, which uh, 900 – he almost had a 1,000-yard season, which is almost unheard of uh, for a tight end in college. So um, a lot of those things all um, kind of are indicative of professional production and success. And so I think the real – the only reason I still have him kind of ranked in, in, that, in those 20 ranges because – and I might kind of update this as the season progresses. I still have Lamar Jackson, you know, projected for, you know, a very kind of outlyingly low number of pass attempts. And I'm going to have to kind of see how I want to go about um, tweaking that at, at all. But if his targets, I actually have him leading the Ravens in target share right now. So it's really just a matter yeah. for me of, of Lamar Jackson's attempts, because I, I, I am very uh, bullish on Andrews as well. And I, I could see him uh, having a big year. So I, I like that one. So, yeah. Yeah, he. Uh, I think he's a good, you know, if you're taking three tight ends or even two good best ball guy. Um, you don't really know when he's going to have his 80-yard touchdown. <laughs> like, there were some games where, you know, Lamar Jackson threw for 120 yards, and 80 of it was one pass to Mark Andrews. So, and, and I do I do like their, you know, their depth chart. They they trimmed down from 10 tight ends to three. Uh, <laughs> so that, that narrows down, uh, you know, the, the tight end competition at least. So, yeah, I like that. Uh, okay, uh, let's close it out. Chris, uh, what are the pieces that you are working on uh, for the coming weeks? So I have a, a, a piece on guys I'm fading in best ball right now that's coming out. I, I mentioned the piece on, uh, you know, the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. And, and I'm going to have a piece on, um, on, on David Gettleman and, and all the, 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 just the foolery that's been going on uh, with, with the New York Giants. And also just pieces on players that I'm taking above ADP um, in best ball week. So a lot of best ball focused stuff because I think that's what most, most of you guys out there are, uh, are paying attention to. And uh, Sean, what projects are you working on? Right now, I'm looking through some of the uh, weeks two through 17 lines are posted. So I'm going through all the lines to see if there's any potential value there and writing that up. Nice. Uh, Be sure to send that over to me so I can bet those. All right, everyone, be sure to keep an eye out for all of that. Till then, that is going to do it for this episode of the Action Network NFL Podcast. Please rate and review the show in iTunes. For Sean and Chris, I am Matthew Friedman, Matt F. The Oracle. See you again next episode. 